look, don't get me wrong. I'm sure you've done a lot of great things in your short political career, but what makes you think America is ready for your kind of leadership in 2012? What can you offer the American people that will get them to say, my vote for the next president of the United States of America is the mayor of Ponyville, Mayor Mayor? Those are excellent questions, Mr. Daniel. Under my leadership, the citizens of Ponyville have survived not only the worst parasite infestation in equestrian history, but also the second coming of the dreaded Nightmare Moon. Okay, I'll give you that much. You had your fair share of political crisis. But why pick a human to be your campaign manager, let alone me? I'm not a political genius or what they call book smart. Because you know how to reach these people, Mr. Daniel. You are a popular radio personality, and you have pooled with the humans that would vote for me. I believe you would call them, uh, bronies? Well, Miss Mayor, if you have that kind of confidence in me, I would be honored to be your campaign manager. I mean, after all, this year's election is going to be full of presidential jackasses, so why not throw a pony in the mix? Exactly. And besides, you'd be entering a virtual anonymous, so you'd literally be a dark horse. But... My mane is brown, not dark. <laughs> no, a dark horse is a political term that we use to describe a... Huh? Oh, it's my talk show's theme song. The show must be started. We'll have to continue this after the interview. We've got to run. Good luck! From the Jack and Jones Shredder Studio in beautiful CCM at the University of Cincinnati, it's the Dennis Daniel Show! Tonight's guest, Voice actress Kathy Westland. And now, here is your host. He is the 2011 Bearcast Lifetime Achievement Award winner, Dennis Daniel. I just talked to a pony about presidential aspirations for 2012. Either I'm going crazy, or I have found BearCastRadio.com's greatest talk show segment, The Dennis Daniel Show. I am your host, the brony of BearCast Radio, and BearCastRadio.com's Lifetime Achievement Award winner for 2011, Dennis Daniel. I'll tell you this much, folks. Oh, I am so tired. This must be what Rama feels like after being chased around by Akane with a with a hammer or something. Man, just running around getting this interview set up. Now, 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 I, I, I can explain what happened. There's a logical explanation for all of this. Apparently, Discord, the thing that, that like the Chimera thing, it came back and it attacked, you know, causing chaos and everything, and it caused all this damage and. Ah! And, and you drank chocolate milk, but they drank the glass and threw the chocolate milk, and it exploded? Well, apparently, he came back after the big arguments that were going on around the world about this weekend's Super Bowl. Probably because there were no Packers! Woo! Packers won the Super Bowl! So, in his brief time that he had come back, he had screwed up the Dennis Daniels show. He threw everything which way, this way, up way, that way, hen way. What's the hen way? 
about five pounds. And it took it took our guest it took our guest tonight. Well, it took one of our characters along with the other ponies and the elements of harmony to put um Discord back in its place. So that's why I'm all out of breath. I've been running around trying to go. Oh no! Another another theory that what happened? It was that Aloysius, that that owl with the bow tie that was helping Twilight Sparkle in that one episode, tried to trick our guest tonight by switching up the time dates. And uh, we all know the owls are crazy. I don't trust that owl, especially that one in that potato chip bag. Just ain't natural. But here we are. I'm short of breath. But here we are. It's a brand new Dennis Daniel show. It's the first Dennis Daniel show of 2012, the year of the dragon. And there are a lot of famous dragons out there. You've got the blue eyes white dragon. You got Pete's dragon. You got Puff the magic dragon. You got Ricky the dragon steamboat, whose theme we use today. And you've got possibly one of the biggest dragons to come down the pipe in a while. I'm talking, of course, of Spike the Dragon from My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. And tonight on the Dennis Daniels Show, we have got Spike's voice actress, Kathy Westluck. Now, for those of you who don't know who Kathy Westluck is, she is the voice behind the cute little assistant to Twilight Sparkle, Spike the Dragon, from the suddenly popular My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. But of course, if you're just seeing that, then you're not getting the whole story on Kathy. She's also known, and I am not afraid to get a little uh, fan geeky about this, she's also known as the voice of the beautiful, dangerous, but still attractive Chinese Amazon shampoo from the classic Rodma One Half. Now, as you all know, we had Kelly Sheridan on the show in December, and she was Ukio, and, um, you know, maybe we'll see some uh, tensions flare up, you know? I'm not afraid to admit this. In high school, I had a crush on shampoo. Just Shampoo is just amazing. It, it, I don't know what is it is. Is it the long purple hair, the, the cute outfit she wears, the fact that she could probably break a human skull with very minimal effort, or is it simply the fact that she speaks in a third-person Chinese accent and that is just so friggin' hot? But then again, I'm I'm kind of a kind of a oddball myself. <laughs> So anyway, let's get back to this My Little Pony thing. Apparently, they got a new My Little Pony out, and it's not like the one with Sandy Duncan and her creepy glass eye. Because that's creepy right there, I'll tell you that much. She plays Spike the Dragon, and he's this cute little dragon, and he rides around on Twilight's back, and he helps her learn these lessons about friendship as she travels through the different realms of Equestria. But she's mostly stationed in Ponyville with her friends Applejack, Rainbow Dash, Pinkie Pie, Rarity, and Fluttershy. And she also voices the mayor of Ponyville, Mayor Mayor. Now, I like Mayor Mayor. She's a... Oh, my gosh, I just got that joke. Mayor Mayor. <laughs> That's hilarious, because she's the mayor of Ponyville, and another term for a horse is a mare. That's hilarious. Oh, oh, Lauren Faust, you are, you are quite the clever individual. Now, of course, from aside from Shampoo and, and Spike and the mayor, she's also near in the popular Death Note. And I, I wanted to see his brother, Far, but uh, there's no Far. But anyway, folks, she's done so many great roles, and I cannot do justice just talking about them. So, like with all our guests, I have composed a demo reel of some of her best work. So let's check out what makes Kathy Westlook so incredible.
Hey, what are you doing here? Hmm. You sure you want to talk to Shampoo like that? Hmm? Ta-da! Instant Nanny Tour! Hmm? Whatever fall in spring, take body of young boy. Very tragic story. This powder makes Instant Nanny Tour. Grandma, you be normal man again. Grandma, you take shampoo? Huh? Take shampoo to date, you get powder. You want go date? Sure. Ah, yeah. Then shampoo meet you today at park, two o'clock sharp. Yeah. Are you saying I can't come and swim hey, in a hey, public hey. pool? We're twins. We're twins. We're twins. to assume that Kira is in hiding right now. If we let our guard down, he'll strike. This man surpassed El and right. defeated him. I'm sure he's planning something. Or perhaps it might be too late. It's so different. Mm -hmm. This place is crazy compared to my hometown. I'm sorry. A kid your age shouldn't be exposed to a city like this. At night. I'll be fine. You have a lot of faith. You believe in your family, don't you? Of course. I believe in Roberta. I know that she's going to come here to take me home to my father. <laughs> this is hilarious! <laughs> Look at all of you. We got Parody, Rainbow Crush, Spitty Pie, Appetini, Flutter Guy, and. Uh. I got nothing. Poorly sparkle. I mean, seriously, I can't even work with that. Applejack! 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 Every pony, can I get your attention? Attention, please! Yes, we are all here to send Applejack to compete in this year's Equestria Rodeo Competition in Canterlot. And I want to thank Applejack in advance for generously offering up her prize money to fix Town Hall. Yeah, Applejack! Woohoo! And of course, Derpy being, well, Derpy. But anyway, folks, Kathy West, look, I can't even begin to tell you how great she is. And she's done all these great roles. She's actually Kit Trunks and Plar and Chiaotzu in the ocean dub of Dragon Ball Z. That's right, before Funimation got their hands on it, there was an ocean dub that aired on Toonami. And while it may have not had the same, same steam and speed that the Funimation did, it's still the definition of how Dragon Ball Z got started in English. You got the Funimation and the Ocean Dub. You know, Ocean Dub had Scott McNeil as Piccolo. And that got him all started on that whole, ah, I'm a cucumber, I'm a cucumber. Eh, that's a story for another time, though. But anyway, folks, let's get right down to it. I'm excited. I've been, I'm kind of tired, actually. Oh, boy, running around with a chicken with its head cut off. The Bronies are just so incredible, and they've just given us so much. And right now I'm wearing a Rock Team Bring It t-shirt, so I guess that would make me a Jaw Brody. So ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and get right down to the nitty-gritty. My guest tonight is, 
one sensational voice actress whose voice has stood the test of time. She's best known as Shampoo from Run the One Half and Spike the Dragon from the brand new My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, which you can catch Saturday mornings on The Hub. There's no excuse why you should not be watching My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the one, the only, Miss Kathy Wessler! Miss Wessler, thank you, and welcome to this annual show. What an introduction, Dennis. My gosh. Well, you know, we got to do it big. Do it big yeah, or go home. No, I'm, I'm glad to be on. I'm, I'm glad we connected. Oh, I'm glad I connected. You know, the confounded, uh, confounded discord and, and derpy. I know derpy's involved somewhere down the line. You never know with that derpy. You know, you could end up with an anvil on your head. you got to be careful. Hard to say. Hard oh, to say. Oh, no, this is... Uh, but anyway, How is everybody in Cincinnati? Oh, we're doing pretty good. You know, it's, it's been fairly warm as of late. And I don't know why, because it's the middle of winter. But, of course, Puxatory Phil, he, he called Tuesday that there was going to be six more weeks of winter. But it don't feel yeah. like winter. It feels like mid-spring. Yeah, it's balmy out here, too. And, by the way, I don't know if Owlicious was behind this thing that happened, you know. Yeah, I, I know, because, hey, hey, remember that Al hijacked that little kid's Tootsie Pop and ate it for himself. So, Aloysius, you're going to get got. <laughs> I just don't trust that, Al. And, and it took oh, me this long to finally get the mayor-mayor joke. That's, that, that's hilarious. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a that was, friend. yeah, I was chuckling in, in the background here, too, for you, Dennis, on that. We had a little skit where we talked about mayor-mayor actually running for president of the United States this year, since it is an election year. So why, right. why in the world would there not be a pony in the in the White House? Since we're basically voting for a bunch of political jackasses. Yeah, well, we all have our our choices, don't we? It would be nice to see a, a pony run. That would be great. Yes, and I want to thank Melee Princess for doing the voice of Mayor Mayor for us. That was that was truly awesome. And yeah, that was a good job. I I, I thought job. it was pretty good. Of course, it can't compare to the to the master. So. You know what? We all have our versions. We all have our versions. I'm still waiting for the episode of My Little Pony where they meet Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed. <laughs> uh, I, I, you can always put in a suggestion. Who yeah, knows? Yeah. For those of you who don't know who Mr. Ed is, he was the original My Little Pony, so 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 Google that. But anyway, let's get right down into this. What got you interested sure. in voice acting? Well, you know, it's the funniest thing because I had no clue what the term voiceover meant. True story. Um, I worked at the CBC in Toronto and Vancouver in, in BC, and um, when I was working as an associate producer in Vancouver, the host of the show, uh, Jurgen Goss was his name, um, had heard my voice, and he said, you know, you've got a really nice voice. Have you ever thought of doing commercials and, uh, you know, some narratives and stuff? And I said, no, it sounds like fun. So he worked at another radio station. It was called, it's a CHQM out here, and he said, I'm doing a bunch of commercials. Do you want to, to join me on that? It was for Vancouver Center Mall. And so he asked me to do some little character background voices. I think it was for Christmas. And I said, sure, that's fun. And he said, why don't you get uh, a demo together and uh, try your luck at this? And I thought it would be a great hobby. And boom, it just exploded into a career. So I never set out to do this. I was going to actually begin by being a um, composer of film and TV documentaries. Ah. That was my goal, yeah. 
and I and I got a bachelor of music degree with a minor in sociology, and I don't hear any any cartoons ringing from those two areas. But <laughs> it's funny how things turn out. But I'm so happy to be doing what I do. Uh, I I could I couldn't see you doing anything else except for documentaries though, because then because then if you got lucky, you could could have done one with Peter Graves on biography. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. Hey, there's still time. You know, you never know. Well, well not for Peter though. He's dead. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, another opportunity somewhere. Yeah. Well, like I said, so, so you got your start as an associate producer for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation Radio. Now, I'm trying to get into the radio field myself. What's that like? Well, you know, it's um, it's a fantastic area, a really great career. I think um, what helped me out, too, was that I had an opportunity to do a co-op program like a work term while I was in university with the CBC in Toronto and so I recommend for any any um, areas like that if you can get uh, a little bit of training maybe through your school program or get some um, behind the scenes training with people that are doing it if it's the best you it's the best you can do because uh, then you're really working with the people who are actually working in the field rather than just um, doing some theory on it or whatever and broadcasting of course you'd have to learn about my technique and things like that but um yeah, I mean, I think it's great that you're doing what you're doing here with this uh, station for the university. It's a great start, and, uh, you know, just keep that up, and um, it gives you, you know, you keep your chops going, that's for sure. So um, get hands-on experience and continue doing it, because you got a good voice. Oh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, Kathy, thank you. <laughs> now, you. You know, you would not be the first person to say that I should try my hand at voice acting, but I... There I, you go. You got the energy. Yes, I do have the energy, but I just don't know, because... I gotta say, you are just, you're just one of the most incredible voice actors I've ever seen. We had Rebecca Forsett on oh, last you. year, yeah. and yeah. She, she specializes in little kid voices, and you specialize in little kid voices. Sure do, yeah, and it was, that was really fun to listen to Shampoo again come through the, the, the eras there. Yeah, that was a, that was a really uh, fun thing to do, because it was really the only character there that wasn't uh, talking naturally. Um, but I think Shampoo wants to say something to you, Dennis. Oh? Ready? Yes. Dennis, Shampoo take you to date? I would love that very much, Shampoo. <laughs> yes! Woo! Oh, we're going to do it! Oh, Packers! Woo! Oh, going to yeah. go, Shampoo! Woo! Oh, yeah, no. I don't have to be careful with that. <laughs> I, 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 I don't care. I don't care. No, Shampoo needs to stop chasing around Rama. You know, Rama's getting chased by Kadachi. Ukyo, yep, Akane, you know, it's like, it's like a three-way race and nobody's winning. But I think, you know, Shampoo could take a few lessons from Cyber Six. You didn't mention Cyber Six. Well, we'll talk about that a little later on in the oh, show. Oh, okay, yes, okay. We, we got this thing set up. Okay, so how do you prepare to audition for a role? Well, you know, um, everybody has their approach to how they do that. What I love to do and what I actually teach in my workshopping and my private coaching is, is when you get an audition, they are different, by the way, whether you're doing an audition for uh, what we call a prelay animation show versus a dubbing show or an ADR show, lip syncing. Um, they look a little bit different, the sides, we call them. We get one page per, uh, per main character that we are going to audition for. And what I like to do, usually you get a picture description and dialogue. So what I like to do first, and I highly recommend, is just look at the picture first and just do a bunch of ad-libbing in your character. Before you look at anything, before you even check out more description or go to dialogue, look at the picture and do a little ad-libbing. Imagine yourself in that character, what you think it might be, if they're you know, being under attack or if they're just conversational or whatever. And do this for a little while, and you can even tape yourself or record yourself. Excuse me, but uh, it's the best thing to do because by the time you actually get to the description, you can add more. You can then read the description and add more to your ad-libbing. Then you go to the dialogue last. 
because the words in the script are only what your character would say. A lot of people have a wrong idea about actually going to the words and the phrases and trying to make some kind of performance out of that by moving the voice up and moving the voice down and putting an underline here and a smile there. That's not the, the best approach, in my opinion. I think you have to be the character. So that's what I do first. That's how I prepare for my audition. Uh, and then I think, and I do record myself sometimes just to make sure uh, I have enough energy, that I'm clear. Those are really important things, too. But that's my general approach on how I do it. Well, it seems like you're, you're focusing more on the essence of the character instead of with the dialogue that the character is saying. Absolutely. That's the first step is to get the essence of it because if you only use your left brain and you start thinking about the words and thinking about what you're supposed to be doing, you're missing the connect to the free flow of the acting. And also because, like, I've, I've done on-camera acting in the past, too, um, and it's different because there's no memorized work at all, memorizing in voiceover. And also in voiceover, you have to listen in order to react as opposed to be visual in front of somebody else and react. You've got to listen to the other actors and hear what's going on and react to that. So it's kind of a different mode you're in. Well, it seems like it's a method to your madness in a sense. So Yeah, for sure, yeah. But it's it's it you know you have to sort of after you've done it a while you get a sense of of what you are given specs I mean you have to read the thing over just once in general just to see what you're doing of course but then I move into sort of getting the essence of the character first and I kind of work from the inside out and then of course your director will direct you whichever way you need to go um, the script tells you if you have any reactions because that's a really important part of acting is making sure you get all the reactions in there. I know for um, the Cyber 6 character, for example, I was thrown around a lot. <laughs> so you have to learn how to put that into your reading, like, ah, and hitting against, you know, falling, ah, you know, and all these sorts of things is important to the read, too. So you have to prep that in your audition prep. And I couldn't imagine getting thrown around all that time in Cyber 6. I don't even know if I could be a Cyber 5. Maybe a, maybe a Cyber 2.5, maybe. but maybe, well, we, should, we should still do a Cyber 7, don't you think? Yeah, or a Cyber 12. Cyber 6, yep. twice the excitement, and twice the adventure. We'll do. <laughs> or Cyber 2, Electric Boogaloo. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> BearCastRadio.com, this is Dennis Daniel Show. We've got Kathy Westlick on the air. Now, we talked with Kelly Sheridan about this. How does the amount and diversity of voice acting work available in Canada compare to a company in the U.S. like Funimation, 4Kids, or Bang Zoom Entertainment? You know, the availability of work. Well, you know, it's difficult um, you know, when we're in one region, we tend to generally work within this region. Although, as you know, there's a lot of things that can happen online. You can do auditions for different projects and send MP3s, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the general thing is that the, 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 the clients in the groups like you to be pretty much um, in the, I believe, in the city that the project is happening. Or a lot of the clients from L.A. or wherever will often come up to Canada to, to work with us up here. So as far as the availability, that's a really, really hard thing to say because shows also come and go. They come in at different rates. There's sometimes there's, there's a whole whack of them that come in. Sometimes there's a lag. It's really difficult um, for us to sort of keep track of that, but that's why we have agents. Um, you know, they also represent us, and they're the ones that sort of tell us what's coming and, and do all the in-between stuff. So it's hard for me to compare, you know, that kind of thing to what's happening in other other towns, although some actors, you know, you know, will go down there, um, or they're they're in the city, and then they'll be doing that. But you know, you need you need the green card there, and you need the visa and everything in the states, and that's a whole other thing. So that's a hard that's a hard um, question to really answer because it's kind of nebulous. 
Yeah, I understand there. Um, yeah. Well, while we're talking about it, um, what do you think of the effects that piracy has on the anime industry? I know that maybe you're not doing nearly as much anime work as you as you might have done a couple of years ago because the piracy is affecting the anime industry. And just this last month, Bandai, which is known for releasing great anime like Cowboy Bebop, Code Geass, they've got to stop producing anime because they can't afford to do it anymore. So now they're focusing towards licensing. Did, do you, have you seen this kind of effect in um, Canada as well? Um, well, actually, I'm not so connected to the, the, the behind the scenes in that respect, so I really couldn't comment too much on that, Dennis, and I'm sorry to hear that that's happening as much as it then seems to be, but um, I, I really can't comment on that. Um, I don't know what the rate of that is that's happening. It's uh, it's unfortunate, but I guess because we're really working in such a technological age, um, it's, a, it's a hard thing to kind of harness, really, so... Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I really don't know. I mean, I know with singers and performers and things like that, you know, with piracy, with things like, you know, off iTunes, we have iTunes where we can pay for it, but I guess it's really, really a hard climate to keep things, um, you know, I guess where they originated from, and, and yeah, it's just the kind of world we live in today. It's a shame to hear that, but uh, no, I can't really comment too much further on it. There are a lot of students here at the College Conservatory of Music that would love to get their big break in voice acting. Do you have any advice or life lessons that you could share with those wanting to follow this path? Oh, I could talk on this for the whole rest of the time, you know. Life lessons, there's lots of those. And, um, you know, once again, I was very, very fortunate because um, I, I went to Wilfrid Laurier University in Ontario, and I took this Bachelor of Music program. Um, and due to one of the students who was about three or four years ahead of me, he actually helped in creating the co-op program we had with the CBC Radio Music Department in Toronto. So I had an opportunity to um, to try to, to get into that program, which took me to where I am now. So I don't know if you guys have different programs or co-op programs in your university or in that department, um, in whatever other vocations there might be that are connected, but that's a really recommended thing. One other thing I would say is that I really highly recommend that you do go for something that you love to do because it's such a joy in the journey. Um, it's, it's important to have practicality, no question about that. You know, always um, really don't, don't go too far in excess with what you can and can't afford uh, because you keep your stress levels down and then you, you really tend to enjoy the process. And um, for me, that's what it's all about. You have to use practicality, but you also have to if you have a choice, go towards something you really you really enjoy. And I mean, in my day too, we had, you know, music therapy programs. Uh, uh, one popped up. Um, actually, I believe that um, Laurier was the first in Canada to have a music therapy program there, and uh, the UK did start that. And uh, so that's exploded into um, a wonderful area as well. So you know, any opportunities that come that are are related or indirectly related to your field, I say you know jump in and, and take a look at it, even if it's a bit, you know, it's volunteer work. Because what, if you do what you love, um, oh, that's so corny, the money will follow, that's the title of a book. <laughs> I give the credit all over to that, the author. But it is so true, because um, you're really enjoying what you're doing. You don't even really notice the income, um, so to speak. I mean, you do. And money is important to have to survive. But do what you love. That's where the joy comes in. And you have to be practical. I think it's important to find out um, before you go you know, right through your program to see um, even beforehand what kind of work there is at the end of the tunnel and whether or not you might be interested in that. Go and visit um, or do career programs where people might be speaking on certain areas um, because I think um, I think that's the best way to go. 
almost like my daddy always said, you know, if you're if you're if you're doing something for a long time you don't like, then you're not going to like it. But if you it's do something true. you love, it's not even work. It, it's a career. Absolutely. I mean, and you know what? And and what I say too is don't put pressure on yourselves at this time in your life. Just don't put pressure on yourself. There's a whole world out there. I had no idea I was going to be doing what I'm doing. My uh, real passion is um, is human nature and sociology and um, you know socio economics and how how you know and human nature basically so i find the whole sociology aspect really fascinating in fact i almost went to uh, go into psychology and get a master's my my professors at, at the university uh, in sociology were, were encouraging me to be a psychologist um and we're excited to hear that i was planning on doing that until all of a sudden i got three primetime cartoon series that came in all at once so I had everything ready to go to um, sign up for a, a master's uh, in psychology, and boom, cartoon world just kind of exploded in front of me. So put that on the shelf. Yeah, so hey. take your opportunities, but um, do what you love, and um, but don't get discouraged. Because you know what? As long as you're moving towards what you love to do, guaranteed, just in that motion, other opportunities start to show themselves. Well, I understand, but hey, Kathy Wesley going prime time, baby! <laughs> Hey, I'd kill to go prime time. I'm gonna plug in. I'm gonna plug in because you got so much energy. It's great. Oh, thanks. So, of course, let's let's get into some of these roles. One of your earliest and best known roles, and of course, a personal favorite of mine, is the Chinese Amazon shampoo from Ronmo One Half. How did you go about auditioning for the role, and and how did you develop her character and voice? Um, for shampoo, um, they they had an idea of what they wanted to have her sound like um, because this was brand 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 new um, for us. In, in at least when I came into the scene, uh, the uh, anime stuff was just really taking off at that point. So Rama One Half was, I would say, the biggest show at that time. There were others too, but this was the main one. So um, when we went to audition for that role, um, there was. Um, uh, I don't know who it was, but there was a sort of an example that they said, we kind of want you to sound a little bit like this. Uh, here's one of the Japanese, um, you know, actors, and this is kind of how we'd like it to sound. And it was very, very different from all the, the other straight red roles. So I was, I suppose, the closest who came to matching their idea of what they wanted, and boom, this is what landed me the role. So, And also just to be able to sustain your voice in that kind of pitch, while you're yelling and still have clarity is a bit of a trick. Um, so that's uh, that's kind of how that came about. And, um, yeah, no, it just all worked out, and it became a very, very, very popular show, as you know. And uh, I still I still think she's a bit of an icon. Definitely she's an icon. I mean, let, let's, just, let's break down shampoo for a quick second. First up, you got a cute-looking girl. She She's an incredible chef. She She's yeah. a great martial artist fighter. She erases people's minds with shampoo. I- ironic, I don't know. And on top of all that, if she goes into cold water, she turns into a cat. So, <laughs> essentially, five points on why shampoo is just so great. That happened to me once. I was in the shower and I. Never mind. No, no, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> turned into a cat. No, everything was going great until I took a bombiri to the knee. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. A Skyrim joke. Katie, shut up. <laughs> if, you, if you tell that, I took an arrow to the knee joke. She gets, she hates that joke. So I, oh. I do this by morphing it. Like for, for my little pony, I go, I used to be a brony until I took a rainbow to the knee. <laughs> oh, she hates it. She she hates it. <laughs> anyway, 
What do you think of the idea of Shampoo being a Chinese Amazon who cannot only fight and cook, but is also chasing after Rama along with several other girls? What do I think about that? Yeah. Well, to each their own, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I would, I would have loved to have seen Rama continue to. It would be nice to have a kind of a newer version of her, you know. But uh, yeah, hey, to each their own. That's all I can say. Whatever makes you happy. I think they should re-release Rama. And just, you know, just get the cast back together, redub it again. You know, it's 2012. It's been around since, what, 1990, 1991? Yeah, roughly that. That's right, yeah. So it's yeah, been around for 20 that. years. There should be a 20-year anniversary release. And I think, you know, maybe maybe do a new animation. They're doing a new live-action Rama movie, so why can't we just do a new animation? Maybe not a movie, yeah. because the movies uh, Ni Hao, My Concubine, and Big Trouble, and Nikolai in China, those are classic. You don't want to touch those, because... You don't want to you don't want to pull a Ted Turner on them because they could bastardize them. But they're doing all these remakes of the series. Slayers just got a brand new series. Uh, Inuyasha's getting ready for the final act, which is I think a lot of fans aren't too happy about that. But if one show, if one show out of there should have a remake that could be really good, it's Ranma. Well, I guess maybe if the fans just keep putting it out there, you never know. So, what do you like or dislike about Shampoo? Well, what's to, what's to not like about Shampoo? She's quirky and she she seems quite innocent in her craziness. I think she's a, I think it's really funny when she gets in in between uh, Akane and Rama, uh, and she gets uh, she kind of gets Akane's goat there. Um, I think she's just really lovable. I think she's really quirky. I think she's unpredictable, and uh, I'd just love to see what happens when 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 she basically is always around Rama. What happens to him is funny. Yeah, but the show itself was fun. I mean, it was just—I thought it was a you know really well done at the time, and you know as I said before, it was one of the very first shows that came out. So, on all aspects of animation and sound and, and storyline, and it was—it it all came together really well. So, yeah, I think she's quirky, I, 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 and doing her voice was was quite a quite an experience for sure. It's a very very high range. So, Who can't love shampoo? I mean, I mean, if you see how much moose chases her around, which is poor moose. Oh, no, 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 no! The guy needs <laughs> the guy needs contact lenses. The guy wears thick glasses. And he turns into a duck. So no, no, just just here's what happened. Put him in cold water, is, fry him, serve him with some rice. Isn't it what's inside that matters, though, Dennis? Moose is kind of a jerk. <laughs> I would fight moose for shampoo. Yeah, well, poor Moose. Well, oh, oh, he's well. a good guy. He, he needs to change his name. These some of these people, you know, they have they have weird names. You got shampoo, and you got Moose, and then you got Grandma Cologne, and and that's just like, oh, that's yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's enough. It was a hair product. <laughs> Aside from shampoo in the series, you also play Azusa Shiratori, the ice skating martial artist fighter. What was it like to voice her, and what do you think of her character being the spoiled brat who has an unhealthy obsession with taking other people's stuff? <laughs> well, you know, to be quite honest, when we're actually doing the roles, we, do, we don't think about it too much in relationship to the whole story, except for when we're performing and we, we need to do that. So, I mean, I think it's just fun that they have these kind of little, little uh, you know, sidebar kinds of characters that add color to the whole show. Um, it was fun doing her as well, and yeah, she had a little bit of an attitude going on there. But it's always a joy for us actors to take things in different directions, you know, and that's why all the characters I've done, so many of them, are, their personalities are so different. And it's a challenge for the actor and a joy for the actor to have something different to do. Because, you know, some, uh, some people 
uh, I wouldn't say they do the same thing over and over again, but their voice placement, a lot of people are natural voice actors where they're, they're not so cartoony or charactery, and they're really great in their field. So for them, their challenge of variation in their performance is more about the attitude or the plot or the subtleties, whereas if you're doing a character voice, like Shampoo's way out there, then you can play around with that voice quite a bit. So from that perspective, you know, it's fun. it was fun to do her as well in that show, yeah. I don't trust her. She's, yeah. <laughs> she, 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 she takes everything and she gives it a name, and I don't like that. I know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, yeah, who knows what's going inside there, but... Uh, yeah, that was good for color, that's for sure. Uh, I don't want my Lifetime Achievement Award being taken and being named like Philip. That's 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 weird. That's weird. And she was always oh, trying yeah. to take Ryoga when he was Pichan, and that was, ugh, gosh. That yeah. is... I know. Yeah. Oh, those Japanese, they're so crazy with their characters. Yeah. Now, aside from all these kid roles, you've also played a lot of motherly roles, including Kagome's mother in Inuyasha, Laura's yeah. mother in Hamtaro, and Hikaru's mother in Hikaru no Go. Do you enjoy playing a mother character? Uh, well, sure. As I said, you know, we, we are, our voice placement, um, you know, we have different ranges if we're sort of, uh, if we do various characters, we have a lot of ranges. And so we get uh, cast for different things at different times. And what happens actually uh, is when we get a show come in, they're, uh, they usually send us these audition sites through our talent agency. And um, those of us who've been doing it quite a long time, uh, can do a variety of characters. So if in the spread of opportunities um, that come in, there are mom voices and you know, or younger voices or whatever, then we will pretty much try out for all of them. And then it depends really, um, when you get the character, it depends really on what um, the, the client hears and how the mix is and also what kind of tone they want to put forth. So for the mom roles, you know, they're very, very loving most of the time. Some of them are very typical mom roles. Some of them are very compassionate. Some of them are very storybook oriented. Um, and so, um, yeah, they're, you know, they're great to play. I mean, it was, <laughs> you know, I don't know how many times I could have said, Laura, you know, <laughs> calling out, Laura, uh, so many times. Uh, I would just call out her name from the back room somewhere, either up the stairs or down the hall or from the, the door. Um, but, yeah, I enjoy playing it uh, all of the roles. And uh, the mom one, I guess, in my natural voice range, too, it sort of fits really well. So, yeah, it's kind of a natural choice, I guess, from that position. Yeah. I can't believe, like, for Inuyasha, Mrs. Higurashi would actually let Kagome go off with Inuyasha. If I saw, a, if I saw my, my daughter run off, with a, <laughs> run off with some guy with long white hair dressed in a, in a feudal era kimono and had, had dog ears, I, I'd be like, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's true. I mean, true and where's true. the father figure for Pete's sake in all of this? Where, well, where did he go? Thing. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, there were, maybe the father figure, you know, kind of dressed similar to him, and, you know, she had an issue with that. I don't know. It's hard to say. You don't know about the in-laws, right? Oh, uh, definitely. Or the relatives. Or the relatives. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, I just, I just, I, if I had a nickel for every time that I had... Friends whose daughters went out with the with the bad boy or the or, or the yeah. or the criminal yeah. is, is so, That's so right. why don't well, anime moms just take a, a hard look at these things? If it was my mom, she probably would have beat him off with a belt. Possibly, you never yeah. know. I don't know. I've come to learn that anime mothers are really laid back. I've come to learn that and. I'm applying that to everything now. So if I see a mom that's not too worried, like, like you know, Kagome's going down this well to fight demons in another era, you know what? Go ahead. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about Cyber 6, you know, Cyber 2 times 3, Cyber 3 times right, 2. Right, right. 
you voice, of course, Cyber Six, or she's also known, Adrian Seidelman. What was that show like? Now, I've never seen Cyber Six. You've never seen Cyber Six? It only aired in Canada and Argentina. How am I? What? 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 What are you doing? What's the matter with you, huh? Hey, 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 uh, Cyber Six was uh, was one of my favorite things to do, and you know the women don't often often get chances to do the the lead role in a series, and so that was part of the joy for me was being able to do that. Um, you know that was a, that was a that show uh, did a little breaking through on a lot of levels, and I think because it was kind of set almost in a European kind of uh, setting, uh, that was kind of unique as well, and also just from the coloration of the animation. Uh, from an animation standpoint, uh, the coloring was was fantastic. They used the dark blues and the the grays and orange and the black and you know very very much a bit like the the, the Death Note look. Um, but they would do camera angles from from below Cyber Six when she would be you know jumping down or this and that. There's a lot of different things that that show showed us that we hadn't seen before in animation. So there were a lot on a lot of levels. I really enjoyed doing it. Um, you know the the uh, the fact that she was part cyber and part human, there was the conflict there and having to get her sustenance. Oh, you have to watch it, Dennis. You'll like her outfit. So, so let me see if I, I can comprehend this. By night, she's this kick-ass human android cyborg, but by day, she's a teacher. A male teacher. Well, she, she's disguised as a teacher, yeah. I, I can't explain that except to say maybe they were just going for a broader audience but um, she disguises herself as a teach a male teacher, yeah, and becomes friends. Maybe that was her way of getting closer to Lucas, who she was in love with. I have no idea. Or, or maybe no. Well. <laughs> yeah, you know, it just they left it all open, and I and I think that's part of the appeal, the uncertainty and the mystery of it. You know. It is a shame that these good shows. It's a shame that these good shows they they, they get cut off right in the in the middle. It's. It's, it's a real shame. I mean, I, I've yeah. never seen Cyber Six, but I will start seeing it now after the after the the cavalcade of voices you just did. I'm like, like, like am I going? I'm going okay. crazy. Now these characters are Seven. I hear the voices. Data seven. We can't make it. No, data seven. It's just me being kind of putting a little bit of a breathy on it. And as I said, there was a lot of me being thrown around the walls and fighting with these big cyborgs. Uh, yeah. Wait. There's a lot of grunting and. Being thrown and punched and things, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we yeah. did it all pretty much. Well, aside from these well-known girl characters, you've also played a lot of boy roles, including Ken Newtonium and Powerpuff Girls Z, Garcia Lovelace in Black Lagoon, yeah, and of course one of your best-known boy roles, Near in Death Note. Being very versatile, do you prefer doing one gender set over there, like like you prefer doing the oh. girl characters over the boy characters? No, there's no preference. Again, it's just uh, the opportunities that come when they come based on the storylines. Um, we pretty much audition for the gamut that we feel we can audition for in our in our capacity, and then it's really really left left up to uh, fate and the powers that be that make the decisions. Um, you know who really does get the role. So you know we're grateful to have the roles, and it's really great to do the like the boy roles too are a specialty for girls and women. Um, if you have a certain voice range and you know how to maneuver that. So there's no preference. I mean, I have loved doing uh, the boy roles. It's been really a, uh, fun to do because it's, a, it's such a departure. Um, but it's also fun getting into the character because little boy, uh, little boys and how they are are so different from the little girls because um, 
little girls that start with a just sort of stand like that, they just sit there and they'll play with the, the hair and stuff like that and they talk about, I don't know, like going shopping and things like that. Whereas, and so you can imagine yourself when you're doing it, you put your, like your fingers are twirling in your hair and you kind of get the physicality going. Whereas, oh, boy voices, yeah. And I'm like that, like whatever. And so I don't know, shut up, no way. I don't want to go to the hockey game. Yeah, whatever. But they're just kind of like lazy kind of sounding and, and so, you know, we get to play with that. And also, I mean, if I, they will tell you there's so many ranges of boys and girls, but there's so many ranges. There's the sort of nerdy little boy like this. Uh, then there's um, one of our favorites. Well, I don't know. You know, or, or Nir is just uh, um, talking down here. He's got that kind of thing. He's looking at his toys. Those toys were weird for me. Don't know what was going on with that, Dennis. Um, but um, it's fun because you just sort of get into a, a stance. You get into the, the the physicality of the character. And, I mean, I've had to do some of the chubby, the, the, the larger boys, too. So then I have to work on, you know, playing something like that, you know, and I'm talking. I was just wonder, like, um, are you guys, are you guys like, going to eat that, you know? So there's no preference. It's fun to do them all. I mean, there's different levels, too. There's different levels. I mean, if we have to talk like that, then you're so nice. That's cool. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I've had to do older guys, too. And one time, I'm trying to remember what character it was or what show it was. It, it might have been, um, oh, I, I'm going to misquote it, I think, here. I don't know if it was Mega Man. Um, I can't remember. Um, but anyway, I was asked to do a 21-year-old guy, and I was like, what? 21 years old? So sometimes I think their idea of the age was not quite what it is, because I think the oldest I can do is is maybe 15, um, which would be this kind of thing. Yeah, come on, you guys. That is so awesome. No, I don't know. That's so weird. Why would we do that? Shut up. You know, like, that's quite low. Um, so, you know, and, and why they choose me, say, over an actual boy or a guy, I think it's really just about um, texture, whatever. You know, there's, there's all these fabulous actors. Which, which shade of green do they like the best? And honestly, we will go for the original boys or girls um, first. I think that's the general thing because they like the naturalness. But if the boys' voices are changing and the series is expected to go, you know, quite some time, there's always that concern too, right? You are in the same boat as Veronica Taylor. For those who don't know, Veronica Taylor is the voice of Ash Ketchum from the original Pokemon. You you two have such a great range in in doing boy voices. It's it's amazing. You, Veronica, and Rebecca Forstadt, you, you three have just got to be the best gender-bending voices I- I've ever heard. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's fun to do. We have a good time. It's, it's, just, it's just so amazing. BearCastRadio.com, this is Dennis Daniels' show. We've got Kathy Westlick on the air, and I thought, oh, boy, I'm already, I'm already tired. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, you're also known as the voice of Kid Trunks, Chiaotzu, and Poir in the ocean dub version of Dragon Ball Z. What was it like to record for Dragon Ball Z, and how do you think the Ocean dub compares to the more well-known Funimation dub? Well, um, how does it compare? Well, you know, I honestly haven't heard too much of the Funimation dub, so I really can't comment, you know, in any intelligent way on it. I can sort of just sort of speak from what what we did on our our side of it. Um, it was fun to do. I mean, Shiatsu was a was an absolute blast, and I mean, what a little get-up he has on, hey? I'm not too sure. He's like, like a little clown boy or something to me. But, <laughs> um, again, they were just really good challenges uh, from an actor's perspective. Um, again, I, I have not really knowing the Funimation dub, you know, not comparing it really. Um, I can't comment too much on that. But, um, 
yeah, it was fun to do. Dragon Ball C really, really took off as well. And, of course, I did Young Trunks as well. So, um, you know, that was, was really, I would say about Young Trunks, um, you know, all those scenes with me fighting up in the air, you know, like, you know, fighting, 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 fighting. It's, it's really exhausting after a session because <laughs> you're up there in space fighting, 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 fighting. And, and yeah, it can be really, really taxing. But, um, no, all, all the characters we did were, were, um, were good variations on it. And I, I think the show overall and on our side of it went really well. Um, yeah, and it's, it's a, a shame that Funimation was, you know, coming over here to do the work for a while. Um, so it would have been nice to have continued doing that, but um, you know, it, it is what it is, and we enjoyed it when we had it. Well, let's go ahead and open up the debate for our listeners out there. Which do you think is the better DBZ, Ocean Dub or Funimation Dub? Head over to AllTasteExplosion.com and enter our chat room and let us know what you think is the better DBZ. Okay, now, okay, okay, all right. All the bronies are hitting at me. Start with the pony questions. I'm like, okay, 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 calm down. We're getting to the ponies. Jeez, I've never seen, I have never seen, Kathy, I've never seen in my entire life, so many people get behind a kid's show. Let's get right into this. Your best-known current role is Spike the Dragon from the very popular My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. How did you land the role, and what do you think of his character? Um, well, once again, um, we had a nice, My Little Pony's been around for a very, very long time, and it's, it's just as wonderful as it was back then. Um, when we went to do the, on, uh, the, the auditions, again, you're presented with uh, the same opportunities as far as you're called in for the audition and the specs are given to you, the storylines given to you. And so those of us who feel we can do whatever character will then simply audition for that character. And then again, it really boils down to, you know, what, uh, what the group behind it hears in their mind's ear as to what might work best for the character. So we do the best on our side, and then really it's 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 out of our hands at that point. Um, after having seen, um, see, we we do get a little character when we're doing an audition. We do get a picture of our character, and the description usually, and of course the the dialogue. And so when you get a chance to see the character, then you can you can kind of alter your voice or alter your idea of how to approach it by what it looks like. And to me, uh, Spike looked like a little a little. He looked very much like a little baby. So what I instinctively wanted to do first with it is go really, really, really young. Because I thought it was more down here, like this kind of thing and stuff like that. So I had to alter him a little bit because that was a bit too young. And when you do get too young, you have to watch your clarity and things like that. So um, when I actually had to audition, there was a, you know, in my own mind, I'm thinking, okay, if I go too young, then I have to be careful of clarity. I don't want to go too old because I don't want him to lose the cuteness. And so as an actor, you just take a chance and you go in with what you think it is, and then the director will, will sort of maneuver you whatever way they feel is the right direction. And so, boom, you know, all the stars had aligned, and whatever it was that I had done fit the specs very well, and that's basically how it happened. So that was really fun. I was really excited to get that. And uh, how do I love to, I love his character. I am a very big softy. I'm a big suck. There's no question about it. I love animals. And I'm sentimental and uh, squishy, and so when I get a chance to work on a show as sweet as My Little Pony and as so wonderful with the morals and values, to me it's um, it's a gold star out there because of that. And um, not that there aren't other shows and things like that that have those principles, but this show is so well done on all counts. And so to do his character was fun because he's such a little boy. To me, he's just such a little boy. 
And at the same time, he's, he's really smart and he doesn't know it. He just says stuff he says and he does stuff that he does. But he's got all those little things going on that little boys do, little impulsive things, little wisecracks, and then he's, but he's as cute as pie. And I think his, you know, maybe his biggest virtue is that he's kind of pink. He's pink and green. <laughs> I see more as a purplish, purplish It depends green. on your screen, I guess. <laughs> well, I watch yeah, it in high definition. Right. Yeah, that's right. You're right. He's, he's, he's kind of a, I sometimes see him as pink, depending on what I'm performing with him. <laughs> yeah, animation's weird. I love weird. playing him. He's a cute little munchkin, and, and he's, a, he's a little smarty pants sometimes, but he's just, he's just, he's as smart as a whip, that little guy. Yeah. I all of a sudden have a craving for another donut. Extra sprinkle. <laughs> right. uh, that, 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 I love that line. I love that line. That's yeah. just so yeah. funny. So um, yeah. what, what do you think of, of Spike's character as a storyline-wise as he's trying to you know, confess his feelings for rarity? Well, I'm really happy they threw something like that into the plot because it's so much fun because from my perspective, when we actually do the role, we have to be the character. So you have to go totally to the innocence level. And, you know, the way that I play him, he, he just has no idea that she would not fall in love with him. I mean, he just assumes that, that she, she must at some point because he feels what he feels, so she's got to feel the same thing back, you know. Um, but I like, you know, when his, you know, when he just gets all dreamy and <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing and kind of cute at the same time. But, oh, I just think it's great. Uh, you know, it's it's fun to watch, uh, you know, when you, when you see it completed. But it's also fun to perform. And when I do do that, I have to kind of go into this range where I'm talking like that and it's just kind of like, wow. You know, and you just kind of, it, you have to watch it. You don't get too light when you get dreamy, though, because you can lose the, cl- the clarity as well. But I think it's very cute because he, you know, he he's going to keep on trying. He just can't help himself. I feel bad for Spike. You know, he, Rarity's trying to get all up in, in society, and he's and he's trying. He's the underdog, and I, and I feel I just feel so bad for him. Well, you know, he doesn't. But you know, except for um, Owl's Well that ends well. You know, I don't think he really, you know, he he doesn't really realize his little his little faux pas and things because he's he's just such a little boy. He does what he does, and he's. He's got attitude, and you know when he's brave, he's really brave. And I think it's really cute when he um, he basically is sending the messages to Princess Celestia, and uh, and he's he's technically acting as a server, isn't he? He's getting messages through himself, and he's spitting them out. <laughs> yeah, forget email. I'd rather have Spike mail. Exactly, exactly. It's lucky he doesn't burn them every time they come up. So. Yeah, that, that is that is was weird. Uh, how, how how in the world? I'm trying. I've been trying to figure this out. How in the world does the fire? Send the letter to Princess Celestia. And this must be like a like a, a pre modern email because I have not I I've been trying to figure it out. I'm like, is it magical fire? Is the paper magic? Is the it's just it's again I'm wrapping yeah, my it's no wonder you're so tired. You're you're thinking of these things so much, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well, well, well. Hopefully at the end, because because you know, you know what I got? I got a letter I want to send too. But we'll wait till at the end of the show interview to do this. Okay, so what do you think of the surge of popularity that My Little Pony Friendship is Magic has received, especially outside of its target audience of little kids going to a male-to-teen-to-adult demographic? Well, my comment is that I am really happy that everybody's enjoying it. To me, that's a real success for the show. That's a, it's affecting hearts everywhere. 
I mean, I'm a real heart person, and I can't. No one can really explain why. You know, you know, if you assess it in, in, intellectually, you know, why this sort of thing happens, except to say that there's something about that show that is really affecting people on an inner level. And I think because My Little Pony is just so utterly heart-based and and filled with love and good morals and really mutual support of of all the friends involved, I think there's a resonation actually to human nature. And I'm not going to say that we're we're losing that as a race, but I think that there's a lot of um, disconnect um, more so now than there used to be. And I don't mean connecting in general because I think the internet and all of the technology that's out there is fabulous because we would not be able to connect the way we do. I just think we need to make sure that we keep the heart connect. And <clears throat> if that's what it is that's attracting the greater population then I think that's wonderful because we need to get back to that. We need to get back to integrity. We need to get back to, to um, you know, being kind to each other. And it's a win-win situation when you do do that. So it, 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 I, I can't explain it personally. I'm just thrilled to see that it's happening. Um, and I hope it continues to happen. Um, I personally feel that, um, you know, the, the, the shows that are being written for My Little Pony are done in an incredible way. And I've done, I've done this for 23 years, and the scripts are written beautifully. They're, the morals are, in, are are wonderful. I think it's put together well, and I love the color of the animation, um, the different movement where you see sometimes when they're walking, and you see sort of the background kind of the the dimension of it. All of this put together plays on the senses of the viewer. It's not only the color which is attractive, but it's the um, the music is wonderful. Uh, even the sound is done very well. You hear the little clip clock. Of the of the hoops. If you listen, if you listen carefully, you can hear the little clip clock of all the little ponies when they're walking. Uh, so the sound effects, all of this together, is a sensory experience, and I think it's connecting directly to the heart. And man, if it's opening up that uh, that chakra or that center in all of us, what a wonderful movement that is! I really, uh, that's the kind of person I am, and I think that that's what's happening. I can truly say, Kathy, that seeing the popularity of My Little Pony just expand throughout the internet, and there are sites up like equestriadaily.com, which features mm-hmm. all these great uh, fan art things. they got fan art, they got music, they've got news, they've got comics. My Little Pony is gaining, I, I, I can't explain it, but it's gaining a surge just a surge of support. And this is a kid's show for Pete's sake. I mean, yeah. you, you see videos like, um, I'm going to play a, a quick clip of, of this one. It's called Epic Pie Time. And, and these and they, these kids, you know, they, they, they try to sound really close to the original characters. And they they, they do this, um, you, you got to hear it. It's it, it's a little weird. It's, it's a little scary. But trust me, you will enjoy this. Let's, let's take a quick <laughs> okay, listen. Ready. You like cartoons? We got cartoons www.hookflex.com slash cupcakes. You get one month's free trial of all the cartoons you want, and we get cupcake money. Don't you be this up for me! I need my cupcake money! Okay, again, this is a small sample. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, Pinkie Pie just swore. Yeah, well, you know what, those things, you know what, you're going to always have those kinds of peripherals, though, Dennis, and everything. I mean, um, I think I think because the the show is actually affecting such a, a wide audience, but it's also um, the whole point of My Little Pony is about love and, and sharing and friendship. And if that's what's stirring uh, goodness in people, fine. You're always going to have people who want to do takes on different sides of it and things of it. You're always going to have that. But you know what? That's the choice of what they, they want to do with it, too. But 
basically speaking, um, the majority of things that I've heard is all about the uh, the good morals, the great storylines, and the support of all the friends together. And you know what? That spreads. It really spreads. So you're always going to have peripheral things like that. But yes. I it's, think the essence of it is about the heart. It's actually become an Internet meme. For those who don't know, an Internet meme is an Internet joke. It, it, it's essentially winning the Internet. And yeah. even on, um, even on, I don't know if you've heard of a site called 4chan, this all started when they started posting just like random photos. Uh, they had they had ones of a twilight going, I'm going to tolerate and love the blank out of you. And then they've got, uh, it's 2 a.m., no mods, post ponies. It, it's yeah. amazing how far this, this stuff has come along and how... It's well, you know, it's stuff. It's just you just can't explain it. You just can't explain it. But I know the intentions of of what My Little Pony is about is all all good stuff, all heart stuff. Yeah, um, you're always going to have variations on the theme of how people, you know, what people want to do with things. Yeah. Just, do you have a favorite inter- Do you have a favorite episode from My Little Pony? Well, there's a lot of them because I think. Well, first of all, as I said, I think they're really written beautifully, and uh, so all the morals and values are cute. And of course, I'm um, I'm a little partial to Spike. But uh, I did like Owl's Well that ends well um, because it again I'm a bit of a, a fluff fluffer myself, and uh, I just uh, I just like how he, he you know the, the the challenge that I had in performing him when he was thinking that the who and the who and the who just cute little things like that little subtle things, but I like the show overall. I just think the morals and values are great, the coloration's great, the sound is great. It's all done very very well. So no, there's there's not really a favorite, but um, once in a while where we get scenes where we have little jokes or really things that that challenge us, it's it's fun from the acting perspective, and it's it's just a, a blast to work with all the actors together doing it in the studio. There was one joke, and I want to play it. It's just it was it was during Al's one that ends well. It was when Spike fell asleep and he knocked over the punch bowl, and Pinkie Pie said. Yes, that is a Caruso-style one-liner joke. <laughs> that stuff's fun. I love puns. I just love them. You can't get enough of that. And, and of course, so many random things happening in the episodes. And uh, I don't know if um, you've talked to uh, Tabitha St. Germain about this, who plays Rarity on the show. Um, what's your take on the uh, character known as Derpy that has one eye going one way and uh, one eye going the other way? Um, I haven't really seen the show itself. We've recorded it, and we record it in different, um, you know, chunks. We we do the, the shows at, a, you know, one show at a time. So I haven't actually really watched the show, so to put it all together, I, I don't really know. Um, I think um, the, it's hard to say because we, we just do our record as we do them, and then they get animated later, and uh, I haven't really seen all the shows, so it's I really can't comment too much on that one. Um when yeah, it's just a, it's a cute little voice, and uh, I think uh, what I do know is that she's got a little. I think she's got a little little yellow mane going on there. Her cutie marks are like like bubbles. <laughs> yeah, the cutie marks, the cutie marks. Yeah, to me, all the characters are just adorable, and they're all all very sweet in their own way. So uh, that character, I haven't really you know seen. I haven't watched it, and I don't really know too much about it. But I think they're really all beautifully drawn and 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 very very sweet. Well, the story behind Derpy is that that one in one episode, apparently there was some kind of like animation mistake, and it showed a pony with cross eyes. So the internet they flocked to that, and they decided to call him Derpy, which is a term that we that we use called derp, which is like like Durr. And I, I assume eventually she gained her own cult following called Derpy Hooves. And then the last roundup, 
the, the episode where Applejack goes to the competition, we actually see her in the opening, and Rainbow Dash calls her Derpy. So apparently the internet has named a pony on My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. I just don't know what went wrong. I'm like, the internet is infecting kids' shows now. Well, what can I say? Yeah. Uh, can't now, really comment on it, but... Uh, uh, I, yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> now, do you have a favorite character that you've done? Uh, well, a favorite character. I have many, many favorites. Cyber 6 was a great one for me to do because of, of the opportunity to do the roles to that extent. Um, different characters that have different challenges with, with the performance aspect. We did something called Marioku Yummy, which was about wishes and creating wishes, and, and it was really cute. It was an online thing, um, but it's called Marioku Yummy, and it's, it's, it's for, for very little kids. And um, I had to do a character by the name of Fidge Fidge, <laughs> and he looks like a little, he, he looks like a little dairy, dairy Queen cone with a little, like the vanilla swirl with a little thing at the top and he was um he was always nervous and and so you know that was fun to do although if i didn't watch it the way that i would perform that character can actually give you headaches if you're not if you're pushing too hard at certain times you have to know how to harness a performance when you're doing it but we did a lot of shows in a row of that and the character is like um oh marioku oh no no we're doomed marioku oh no those wishes what will we do and you know i had to do this for <laughs> hours and hours and hours. Um, but the show, again, is a very, very sweet show. So he was one of my favorites because he was just so different, and I had to play him in a different way. So when we have a real departure you know, from doing something that we've been doing a lot of or just, you know, we have something really unique, then we re- I really sort of take to that. You know, Shampoo is a favorite of mine because it was the first really, really big um, you know, uh, show that we did that was anime, and it was a really unique voice. Cyber 6 too. I mean, I thought the Death Note was done very, very well. The the whole thing was done was really interesting. And uh, again, from an interest point of view, from reading scripts, you know, that was great too, Nir. Um, but I've done so many other little, I mean, oh, I can't tell you how many fruits and vegetables I've voiced. <laughs> so the next time I see a dancing carrot on the TV, it might be you. <laughs> well, I played a, a cherry. I played um, an onion boy named Cipollino. And I played a yam before, so there you go. I feel like we're missing Pac-Man in all of this. You know, yeah, walk, walk, oh, walk, yeah, walk, yeah, yeah. the cherry and the pretzel and the milk. Okay, yeah. Again, another a joke off off in far right field. It's it, it, it's again, mecha missions in my mind are an enigma. But one thing I have to ask about shampoo that, that when she debuted, what about the Chinese? Did you have to actually learn a little Chinese in order to um to do her? Um, well, only only limited to what was written in the script, uh, pretty much. So whatever we, you know, were given to read, we would have to read it, you know, because a lot of the names and things like that are all are, are all that, you know, nationality based. So we just have to play it the way it is. But they had an idea for shampoo in how they wanted her to sound. So they kind of gave me the example of what that was, and I kind of would mimic that. So um, yeah, we had to kind of, you know, I had to. Sort of give her this kind of thing to talk to like this, and uh, uh, and and go with that, and to try to stay in that sort of lilt, and and then also honor the character, which was kind of she had a little bit of an innocence in her, but at times she knew what she was doing. So you, from the actor's standpoint, you're sort of developing that character, but then having to hold that voice placement and put a little bit of a flavor of that accent in it. So, you know, sometimes it can be a 
you know, you really have to be able to to work the character so it becomes natural to you. That's why, again, when I'm when I'm doing character pre- preparation, I come from the essence of it first to be able to sustain it through through the length of time we do it. Wait, wait, cute and innocent on the outside, but devious on the inside? It's like I have a twin. <laughs> no wonder I like shampoo so much. Man, we, man, we are a pair. We're like Bradulina. Oh wait, they're not they're not together anymore. Oh. Um, are there any roles that you wish you could have done or y- you want to do? I mean, like, like, for example, like there, there's a fantasy role that you've always wanted to do, but you never got a chance to do it. Uh, well, you know, all I can say is I think it would be great to have a few more action hero heroine leads, uh, maybe like a Cyber 6, but um, more in space. Like if we had, if we had a few more lead, leading women roles, um, that would be wonderful for us, of course. And to integrate that with maybe a more modern society, but um, I can't really say there's one one character I wished I'd have done, or or one that I can concoct. Not really. I think again, it's just the joy of having the different opportunities to have a chunk of of um, you know like a big a big good role that you can sink your teeth into, and um, and yeah, and if it's a it's a good storyline, and it's really just a joy to perform. So yeah, I, I'm pretty content with what I've gotten so far, and. Uh, yeah, and I hope it continues. There's, you know, there's nothing really out there that I can't say that I wished I would have played or not. I think I've been pretty lucky to get the gamut I have. Hey, everybody. This is Ash Ketchum from the town of Valley. While I'm training to become the world's greatest Pokemon master, Pikachu and I like to listen to the all-taste explosion with the Boogaloo Shrimp. John Pokemon and the Dennis Daniel Show. here on the Dennis Daniels Show, we've got Kathy Westluck, possibly best known as Shampoo from Run the One Half, and Spike the Dragon from My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, and confound those ponies, they drive me to drink! <laughs> uh, just, just it, Again, like I said, I can't wait to see the episode where they talk to Mr. Ed. That'll be, that'll be something else. <laughs> but um, let's go ahead. We, we've got some of your listener questions, and we're going to answer them right on the air right now. So... Our first question comes from Brian, um, and it's a question for Spike. How is it like being a dragon in a pony-filled world? Oh, a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think Spike gets to feel special because he's uh, amongst all the ponies. He sees them all as big sisters and all his friends, and his whole thing, I think, from my perspective, is that he just really wants to help. He wants to really serve, and he also wants to be brave. So he's just naively there to do his thing and help where he can, basically. I think he sees them all as big sisters and uh, and friends. Yeah, it's fun for him. Ah. I think that was more of a voice request, but we'll we'll skip that one. Okay, our oh. next... Yeah, it's fine. We, 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 we've probably got like 50 other more requests for Spike, so don't worry. We'll be... We'll, <laughs> I'm sure we'll hit one or two more down the line. Our next question is from Ryan. I was simply wondering Kathy's opinion on the fact that her show has a massive following of teenage boys and adult men. Does it creep you out, flatter you, and yes, I am totally a brony. <laughs> Again, um, I think it's great that uh, there's a whole new branch of fans that are coming out. Um, you know, for whatever reasons, you know, that, that they're 
taking to the show. I think some of them had said that they really liked the storylines. To me, it's, I get the impression that they're they're sort of the big bros of the the Little Ponies. You know, it's all great. I I'm just happy that there's a broader a broader uh, audience for for My Little Pony, and that uh, we're expanding expanding way out there into other areas. It's great. Yeah, I, again, I, I don't get it. I know, because I believe the original My Little Pony, which starred Sandy Duncan and her creepy glass eye, was originally made to, you know, sell the product. But now you have Friendship is Magic, and it's selling itself, essentially. And again, you know, Dennis, I, this is just me. This is honestly where I come from. But I, I just think because it's so heartfelt, I think people are drawn to it. That's my kind of take on it. <clears throat> I just hear so many people commenting about uh, how well it's done and the morals and values that come out of it. That's what I keep hearing on my end, and I think that's what the cast is hearing too. So, um, whatever that that is, it's it's spreading and it's a, it's a really good feeling to have. So, yeah, let's keep that going. It's like a poison of cuteness that's spreading through the veins of society. It's a kind of an innocence. It's kind of a purity. And sometimes I think with all the techno, 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 which I do love, and, and I think it's if it can be used in the right way, um, I think that there's it's a it's kind of like I don't know, it's just a uh, an essence that's being sort of that you you sense from your heart, you know, it's something that you can't explain mentally. I think it's just a really a feel good kind of show with good morals and values. Hey, Applejack, are you all right? Fuck, my man, i got to tell you something. Now, I, I know how you're trying to get rarity, but let me tell you something that Henry Winkler told me when he was on the show. You can't just go about, good, 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 high rarity, mustache. No, no, you got to play it cool. you got to play it cool like, hey, rarity. You know, you don't just, you don't just, you don't just, you, you, got, you don't sell the steak, you sell the sizzle. you gotta, you got to put yourself out there, man. you, you got to get in her face. you got to tell her why you are the dragon. Let's move on, Dennis. <laughs> I'm just saying. He dressed up in his, his little costume with his little mustache and hat there. I think he was looking pretty dapper then. How does your experience, and this is from SpikeFan27, how does your experience with Friendship is Magic compare to your other roles? Also, I must thank you for your terrific work, as the very first episode of My Little Pony I watched was Owl's Well That Ends Well, and I must say it was Spike's character and voice that softened me up to the series. Oh, thank you. That's great. Well, as I said, it was one of my favorites, too. Um, how does it compare? Um, again, I have to say, and I've, I have seen many, many uh, My Little Pony shows in the past. In fact, I was in The Runaway Rainbow. I played Rarity the Unicorn, the young unicorn at the time. And again, um, My Little Pony is truly one of my favorite shows. Um, you know, Cyber Six, I'm partial to, of course. It's a different thing. But it's because, uh, of, again, of the moral values. I just keep going over that again, that it's real, really pure and it's really, really professionally and well done. And that's a joy for us. Cyber Six had the same kind of quality. I think Death Note had a very interesting storyline to it. That's interesting for me, too. Uh, My Little Pony is, to me, it's, uh, it's excellent in its category because it is targeting little children, uh, not just little children, as we can see. Such a big, such a bigger audience is now too. But that the goal is for 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 the for young people and to, to establish good morals and values. And I think that that is something that is timeless. And to see it so absolutely clean and pure like that is such a refreshing thing. So it is one of my favorites, no question. And I think this other show, Mario Kuyomi, that I ta- talked about, has um, not the same, but it also has. Uh, 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 real purity and innocence and good morals and values. It's very, very clean and very, very pure. And I think that speaks to, to the heart. Um, um, 
other shows that we've done, like I mean, right now I'm also the I also play Dennis, the, the black-haired boy in Kid vs. Cat. Um, I think that's kind of like one of those classic Saturday morning kind of cartoons, almost slapstick, pretty innocent. Some there's no no violence in it, but there's a lot of action, and it focuses on an alien cat um, and the conflict between it and the boy. And I I find the simplicity I find simplicity to be, simplicity to be very very powerful. Um, and so those are the kinds of shows and really good storylines and very good acting. Uh, good quality is what I'm all about and for different reasons. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that uh, Kid vs. Cat is another favorite series of mine, too. Now, I have not seen much of Kid vs. Cat. I know it's on Disney XD, but uh, what I have seen, it's kind of... Wow. <laughs> Everyone has different preferences. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I think some of these creators, you know... <laughs> <laughs> okay, from Joel F. What is it like to voice act against Twilight Sparkle so much with her voice actress Tara Strong, even though she's not there in Vancouver for most of the recordings? Um, well, you know, we do that quite often in the anime stuff, where we perform without the without uh, an actor necessarily being there, and that happens too if uh, one of the actors gets sick. Uh, or, or they're having to be out of town and they can't make it for the actual record, which doesn't happen often, often. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not difficult for us to do that. We prefer, obviously, for the, the actor to be there so that we can do the interaction. It's more of an enjoyable thing for us. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, um, you know, we're still, we still will read, of course, what's before and after, and a lot of the actors, you know, one actor will fill in, uh, just sort of, you know, backtrack read it, and we just refer to that and we just play off of that. And uh, yeah, so it would be lo- it would be great to have her with us when she's recording that. Um, but uh, no, it doesn't affect us really in any way. It's um, yep, still the same kind of thing. What I find amazing is that you don't even have to be in the same studio recording with, for the same episode, and the the quality just comes out so beautiful. It's like she's right next to you because I know for anime and and, and regular voice acting, anime you know they're usually in, in a little cabinet by themselves, but with shows like My Little Pony, I would assume that. A lot of you guys are in the same room at the same time when you do the recording. Um, well, for the primetime prelay shows, which this is the recording, where we're in a group with uh, five, usually it's about five to nine characters, actors, and then a director and an engineer. Um, we usually do work scene to scene to scene, but there are cases where you know people are out of town, something comes up, and we we have to do shows on occasion when they're not there. But you know, there's a lot of. Uh, first of all, you get to know the show flow and each other's characters so well that you get you really get a sense of what the personality is like anyway so you can imagine when when another actor just reads it for you you can almost hear the other character in your mind you can hear them because you work with them so much and there's also a lot of um credit obviously that goes to the director that does that and also the the client they're all there to help you you know make sure that you've got that working because with any prelay show we have what you call a storyboard um which is um you know a, 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 like a, a different um hand drawn sketches uh, scene by scene by scene of what the show is supposed to be like. So the director has that in front of them, and they can see the expression of the character, which is sort of a rough drawing. Uh, so they have to tell us, based on that, okay, you need to do this a little bit more or that a little bit more. And so they're a big part of directing us when when those sorts of things are happening if the actor's not there. But if you think about it, that's exactly how we do do it anyway, with no actors there at all except your own voice when we're doing the anim- a lot of the anime stuff. Um, for example, excuse me, the Death Note uh, show or, or even Hamtaro or any of those shows, they were all, uh, we call them ADR, 
which is uh, animated dialogue replacement or audio digital reproduction. And um, we are, in this case, of course, we're lip syncing to the picture. Um, but we don't have any other actors with us recording. And so um, you have to really, sometimes the, the, if the actors recorded their lines before you, then you can see what they've done before and after your line. But oftentimes that's not the case. So you have to use your skill as an actor, and you also have to rely a lot on the director to be able to get a good response in your acting. What radical dude, and I don't know if, because I know we talked a little earlier before the interview about, about what you can and can't talk about, and if you can't talk about it, that's totally cool, mum's the word, I get it. Hello, Kathy. Thanks for all you've done on shows like Dragon Ball Z, Mobile Suit Gundam Wing, Death Note, and of course, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Spike is my favorite main character on the entire show, and you do an excellent job bringing the character to life. I understand you are unable to give any spoilers or answers away regarding unaired episodes of Friendship is Magic, but is there any chance we'll hear Spike sing in a future episode? And do you have any singing or music experience? And if so, are you able to sing in Spike's voice? It's okay if you're not able to tell us. Thank you anyway for giving your time to be on the show. I appreciate it, and I'm sure all the fans are listening appreciate it too. We love your work. Keep it up. O-R-D. Oh, thank you, thank you. That's very kind. Spike's my favorite, too. <laughs> I can't comment on, on the future ones. A lot of the shows, we don't know what's happening in, in many cases, and uh, he hasn't uh, sung so far, and that's too bad, too, because it would have been nice to, to have him do that. Um, but uh, I actually do, as of course I do have a music background, I have a music degree, so um, I didn't go in as a um, as a music major. Um, I mean, as a as a singer major. I went in um, in into compos- composition originally. Um, so I, you know, I have sung in different things, and you know, in the earlier days. But um, yeah, it would be nice. And <laughs> um, I, I I don't know if I actually can sing in his voice at this point. <laughs> I think I'm laughing too much. <laughs> no, I mean, unless I can, pick, uh, I would compose some kind of song where he's in love with rarity. I mean, that might be kind of funny, but I think I'll just leave that for the day. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like a Latin battle, like... He's very shy. He's very shy. Like, hey, take a page out of the old Dennis Daniel playbook. Regret nothing. you gotta <laughs> got to take chances. Take chances. That's how I got to be where I am today, by taking chances and regretting nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, now from Atris S, I must say that I have been a fan of yours since I first watched work on Cyber 6, back when it first aired. My question is, where or what did you draw your inspiration from when voicing Adrian and Cyber 6 from Cyber 6? And I I believe you answered this already, but what was your opinion of the show as a whole? Um, To play the character of, of Cyber 6 and then, you know, also Adrian... You know, really, there is a little bit of a challenge because they were looking, they were trying to decide originally what to do for the Adrian character because um, they wanted him to still have a bit of my sound uh, but not give away that it was her. So they were either going to potentially find somebody else who kind of sounded like me but, you know, might have, you know, been more of a, 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 a man sound. Uh, but at the same time, they were toying between whether or not they they wanted to make it, you know, close enough or or, or completely different. So, in in the end, it decided to go with me, just making it more masculine and more male, and yet still having some of the uh, character qualities that uh, Cyber Six herself had. So, so I had to play Adrian uh, as Cyber Six trying to hide her identity. So here I am trying to do an actual 
you know, male voice, I mean, that was potential in my range, and yet still remember that I am the character who's in disguise. So from our perspective, there's a bit of a challenge there. So luckily it was decided I would play her in disguise as him. Um, and frankly, we had the same questions when we were acting it. We really didn't know what sort of this was all about, except to say in the end, I think basically it was that she, you know, it, all this, this disguise, the at nighttime she goes and does um, the good work and all of this, you know, teacher by day, all these un, unanswered questions was really part of her character, which I think was what was so mysterious about it. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of mystery around Cyber 6 and a bit of a challenge for me to play because I had to take it in the way that I thought it was. So loved everything about it, loved the mystery about it, loved the writing, coloration. Good challenge for the actor, too. Her name is Six. Cyber Six. Cyber Six. Da-da, da-da, da-da. <laughs> okay, our next question is from Adam. Kathy, I understand that you voice a pony named Rarity in the older My Little Pony cartoon, The, the Runaway Rainbow. Uh, do you, is there a sense of irony when, knowing that you originally voiced Rarity and now you voice a character that likes the character that you used to play? Well, actually, um, the character that I played in The Runaway Rainbow was a unicorn. So she wasn't a pony, really. She was a unicorn and also a, a little pony, like a not a baby pony, but a young, young pony, an innocent pony. So they're really not, um, I mean, in my mind, they really weren't the same. Uh, so when we get a new character, you know, it's almost like we clean the slate, and then we just, it was the same name, of course, which originally I thought, okay, now what is the connect there? Is there a connect there? Um, but no, to me, there's no, no association whatsoever. Uh, the name is the same, of course, but I was playing a different, like a little unicorn uh, in the show. And that was fun, too, when I got to play her, because I got to sing as that little character, and um, um, it was really fun to do. Again, another challenge. No, there's no real relation um, I don't really make a relation from that to the rarity now, um, because when I'm playing, of course, Spike, it's a completely different association. So, yeah, same name, but different different unicorn. <laughs> yep. Kelly's rarity and Tabitha's rarity. No relation. We're both rare in our own way. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, from Laurie, for Laurie, I believe it's Larnia, or Larnia. How do you get along with the other voice actors on My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic? And have you ever voiced any background characters? Oh, uh, we get along famously, and we have a lot of fun, actually. Um, sometimes too much fun. We have to be a little bit more quiet in the studio in between takes. Um, but we, we've done um, so many shows together as actors. Um, we, a lot of us have been doing this a very long time. So it's always fun when you get a show to, um, to actually see who of your family you're going to be playing with. Uh, so it's it's great. We we have a wonderful time. It's very very self supportive and mutually supportive. And um, you all yeah. After a while, you sort of get into that kind of synchronicity thing, and uh, so it becomes easier and easier to perform your character because the relationship builds, and you already know these people from other work. So it's like one big family. And what was the second part again, Derek? Uh, have you voiced any background characters? And I don't think Mayor Mayor would consider be considered a background character. I think she's she's like a a secondary character. So. That clears up oh, many, many, many. In, in my career, I've played so many characters. A lot of the ones, um, you know, we don't even list. Like, we, if we have resumes, when we're required to have resumes, you can't even list some of the incidentals that you play because um, the majority of us, well, I would say all of us, are always doing incidental characters here and there, especially when we do shows, um, well, all shows pretty much, where we do what we call um, the Walla part, or there's a Walla um, 
uh, section to the script. And wall basically just means background voicing. So when you see, it might say crowd or all or everyone or townspeople, um, you know, sometimes one of the townspeople will, the director will ask you, one of you to, to speak up and say one line, and then it goes down to the crowd murmur. Um, so, but yeah, all of us in our careers get a chance to do, you know, background charactering. There's a whole thing um, called looping, uh, but it's more, it refers more to on-camera actors. Um, and what a looping session is, is you get a television episodic of, of like we're talking real drama here now, real TV, uh, or um, a television movie or a film, a feature film, and they'll get a group of actors to come in and get around a microphone, and then they'll go scene by scene or frame by frame, and you will have a um, maybe two guys, two girls, and then they say, okay, we've got to do some background voicing for these guys. Those two couples are coming off a boat. Um, can you just ad-lib, just make up something? So you'll just say, oh, wow, I'm really tired. How are you? And it just gets all brought down to a murmur, and those are called looping sessions. So that's not, I know that's not what you're talking about, but it just reminded me about other voice work that's out there. But we've all done background voices, most of us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all you voice actors getting pretty loopy. Yeah, but yeah not... we do. We do. Hey, hey, background voices are also important. You know, you gotta, you want to make the performance seem seem believable. So if you just have the main characters talking but nothing in the background, it doesn't feel like a real conversation. It feels like, like it's scripted, and that's not what a lot of shows go for. Yep. Yeah. Well, a lot of shows want to get the real feel of of uh, a real background sound, and I think that's where we leave the trick to the sound engineers too they double sometimes if we do crowd crowd scenes then we will do one or two takes sometimes more and then the engineers are we leave them to their magic and they mix the three together and the next thing you know you have a little town our next question is from cedric smith uh, and he says i am a big azusa shiratori fan would you say in her voice cedric i'll take you home and name you charlotte you know, do you know how it's, it was such a long time ago for me to actually nail her voice might be a challenge. Could you admit, yeah. and he also says, if you can't do that, could you say, Cedric, will you take shampoo to date? Cedric, <laughs> um, take shampoo to date. But shampoo, I'm taking you to date. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm wait for Dennis. That Dennis no answer me. Oh, come on, shampoo. Don't take Cedric. He can have ukio. He can chocolate. Oh, come on. Oh, come on, shampoo. Why you got to play me like that? It's Valentine's Day. Yeah, it is Valentine's Day. Forget Ronma. Forget Cedric. Spend it with a winner. Dennis Daniel, the cult of personality. <sighs> Oh, sorry, Dennis. Well, if you have chocolate. <laughs> no, I will bring chocolates and flowers and everything shampoo like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. I, you know, I, I just, again, I love that. I just love it. Shampoo has is, is got to be one of my favorite anime girls of all time. Oh, not Rama. No, not Rama. No, 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 Rama. Why Rama? Hiya, Cedric. Hiya, Dennis. <laughs> There it is. There no, it I got, I got, a, I got, a, I got a bow. I got a bow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our, our last listener question, and then, and then we'll, then we'll do the letter to the princess. Um, the question is: Will you be attending any conventions such as BronyCon or any anime conventions in the general future? I will say that I'm very much hoping to. Uh, it has things have not been confirmed with any conventions just right now, just due to my schedule. Um, but I will tell you that you will know, um, you know, where these places are and when that's going to happen, when, when that gets all confirmed. 
Um, there are other projects in the works right now, and it's always a you know has to be priority. So once we once I figure that out, um, you guys will know. Yeah, so I will I will definitely let you know. It's amazing. This year they debuted BronyCon, which is a convention for My Little Pony fans. Right, right. And they had actually actually had Ashley and Tara and um, Tabitha. They all went to this thing and. Uh, and I, I'm trying, and I want to say, if there's going to be a BronyCon that these guys are going to go to, tell Ashley and Tabitha and everyone else that's on that show to come to the Dennis Daniels Show, because the Dennis Daniels Show is a brony and a half. I'm wearing a rock t-shirt, so I'm a jabroni, so there you go. Okay, 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 Kathy, there's only one way that I can end this for the bronies, and uh, I'm about to make a lot of bronies super jealous. So... Uh, get loose there. Spike, take a letter. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, what I want I would like you to do your best rendition of Spike. I, I can't I can't do Spike. Come on, come on, give it a shot. Uh, well hey Rarity. Dude, that's creepy. Again, I'm not I'm not again I I've, I've got that too deep a voice, but um here we go, Spike. Dear Princess Celestia. Today I learned the importance of taking great passion in whatever it is you do in life. Whether it's playing a character on a cartoon or producing a talk show, it's important that while you work, you enjoy the journey that takes you on. Kathy has shown me with passion, hard work, and respect, you can go anywhere your dreams might take you. With that being said, I still continue my journey to become one of the world's greatest radio personalities. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got a hot date with Shampoo, your faithful student and cult of personality, Mr. Dennis Daniel. I will have Spike pass that on to Princess Celestia, and he promises he won't he won't use his fire breathing voice. <laughs> oh no, no, I, I just I just that was fun. I made a lot of Bronies super jealous. So haters going, hey, that's all I gotta say. But but Kathy, I thank you so much for being on the show, guys. Check her out in My Little Pony Friendship is Magic Saturdays on the Hub. It's on, I believe it's one eleven on Time Warner Cable. And check her out. I, she has a, actually a website, uh, KathyWestlick.com. We're going to have a link to it on the All Tape Explosion homepage. And hopefully, Kathy, when there's more stuff coming out, we can have you back on the show. You bet, Dennis. Thanks so much, and hi to all the fans. Thanks for watching. And this is the Daniel Show. Uh, excuse me, guys. I got a day with shampoo. <laughs> Nihau!